Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. The easiest way to connect with us from right where you are is by downloading our free Real Life Community app from your app store. You can also find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. lives in a world of faith, this confidence in what we hope for, and the assurance of things not, not seen, unseen. So today we're going to talk about hope, and I, I want to read to you a passage uh, this morning from Romans chapter 5. Uh, pretty much everywhere Paul is writing, Paul is this hope guy, and, and it's so interesting because half of the letters he wrote from jail or some kind of severe persecution, and so he's got these ridiculously difficult circumstances, and he's talking about joy and peace and hope and these, these wonderful um, gifts and blessings that come with being found in Christ and having the Holy Spirit uh, poured into your life. And he says this in Romans chapter 5, Verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Some of your translations, my old translation used to say, hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Hope, hope does not put us to shame, does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into us through the Holy Spirit. What a great passage there, this this hope that's kind of the pinnacle of this hardship that Paul's talking about, that that there's this stepping stone progress that that it ends up building up, even a life that's really difficult ends up building up to developing hope in a person's life. And hope doesn't disappoint, doesn't put us to shame. I got to be honest, this is confessional time for you this morning, Uh, a little bit about me. I, I was writing the message this week about hope, and I thought, you know, it's kind of ironic that I'm the one that that gets to bring the message about hope. Because if you know me kind of behind the scenes a little bit, you might know that I am not necessarily somebody who's like the most bubbly, optimistic kind of person around. Ashley's smiling at me like, oh my goodness. Uh, but 
so here's the thing. I think my natural inclination as a human being is, is like my knee-jerk reaction in most situations is I, I would lovingly refer to it as a realist, right? I, I'm, a, I'm a realist. Like if you were looking at it from a different perspective, maybe a less optimistic person might say that I'm like have a worst case scenario outlook on everything, right? Or, or like the sky is falling all the time. And so it's kind of a joke around our house. Like, you know, if the Colts are on TV, you know, first quarter in, well, we're, there's no way we're winning this. So there, there'll be some fumble or Andrew Luck will injure his shoulder and be out for three years or forever. That's, that's an example right there of me, me just doing that. And, and, and so, you know, even after the game, even if they've won, I'm thinking the whole time, probably the, the umpires missed something and they're going to call the team back onto the field. Uh, and, and, and like, I'm the worst person in the world to, uh, to watch a movie with, because as we're watching it, I'm always like, that guy's going to die and that guy's going to die. And that could never happen. And that could never happen. And how could they even write this? And, and then I'm sitting in my office, kind of laughing to myself about this, uh, about how pessimistic or whatever I am in, in worst case scenario situations. And I'm writing, but then I hit a roadblock. Those are the only two examples I could think of the Colts games and the movies. But I was like, I know this is a joke in my family. So, so I asked Ashley last night, I was like, Hey, I need your help with this, with a sermon illustration. I said, doing this thing on hope and how it's kind of ironic that I'm, I'm like the worst case scenario kind of person. And I said, can you think of some examples where I'm like the worst case scenario? And the expression, guys, I wish I had it recorded. It's recorded in my mind. The expression on her face was like, did you really just ask me to tell you about all of the ways that you are a disaster of a human being? And, and always, and she, she looks at it and she said, really? Like, like, are you really want me to say this? I was like, yeah, no. And she goes, how many do you want? Like, <laughs> and she started labeling them like, like shot, like machine gun style. And I was like, that's enough. I can't say all of those. But she was like, like every time we go on a walk, you're like, this is going to end in a disaster. All the kids are going to be screaming and running out into traffic. And then when we go on vacation, like you're like, there's never going to be a chance that we're going to do this successfully. And like, so hope is not my strong suit. Uh, <laughs> Like my natural inclination is not to look at every situation and see the silver lining in, in those kinds of things. And yet it's been a good practice for me to, to go and look into the scriptures of hope. And, um, and I think uh, on, a, on another level, even though there's a lot of these surface level areas or just s silly things in life that I tend to be worst case scenario kind of person, uh, on another level, there's a hope in my life um, I hope Ashley would say amen to this, that, that kind of undergirds all of it, right? But I, w I wonder, though, if, if a lot of us, some of our knee-jerk reactions aren't the same. When we get into, especially if we get into difficult circumstances in life, we get into these things that are causing a lot of trouble. We get sick or there's a relationship that, that blows up or a job situation that we just can't see uh, a correct way out of or we're overwhelmed with stress, and, and if sometimes our knee-jerk reaction isn't to go to the worst-case scenario, right? Yeah, do I got any partners in this? Uh, can somebody wallow in that with me for just a minute? Yeah, like, let me know that I'm not alone. And, and we have this tendency sometimes to see the worst, maybe to see that the sky is falling. And yet, as human beings, even if that's our knee-jerk reaction in, in, our, in our life sometimes, especially difficult times, as human beings, we have been hardwired to hope. 
We're hardwired for it. We want it. We desire it. We long for it. Even in the worst case scenarios, we'll grope for it and grasp for it and look for it and turn over rocks to try and find it. I was looking, and really this is a a universal kind of thing. That's why I say we're hardwired for hope. Sarah, I think we've got a few quotes on the screens. You'll skip that that first passage uh, slide that we read, Romans chapter 5, and go to, do we have the slides? We don't have the slides? Doug, can you uh, hand me my notes here? Oh, it's the worst, right? It's the worst. I'm never going to find my place again. (laughs) Rich, everybody give it up for Rich. (laughs) That's fantastic. I have the quotes written down, just not in in my notes. So here we go. Aristotle, like stretch way back, right? Uh, Aristotle said that hope is the dream of a waking man. Hope is the dream of a waking man. You stretch forward several hundred years, you get to a guy named Martin Luther. And Martin Luther uh, said that everything that is done in the world is done by hope. Everything that is done in the world is done by hope. Or let's go to maybe some poetry and Emily Dickinson. Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. This is hope. And and every philosopher and person of faith and poet and artist uh, throughout history, so many of them have tried to capture this thing that we're hardwired for, that in the middle of the most difficult times, we grasp for a hope, something that will see us through that trouble, something that we can look forward to, some moment or experience or time when something is gonna get healed or made right or restored or things are going to get better or there will be another day. Hope grabs our heart and pulls it to another time another place, another experience. It says this isn't all there is. So hope in a lot of ways is built out of faith, right? This is what hope does. And yet a lot of times my sense is, and in my life and maybe in your life too, uh, we're hardwired for this hope. And yet so many times when we're in trouble in life, the hope that we grab for is too small for the circumstance that we're in. We grab for hope that's too small, that's limited, that that has boundaries that exist within the trouble that we have, that can't grab our heart and pull us out somewhere else. So many times the hope that we try and grab for is too small. It's insufficient uh, to sustain us and get us all the way through. There was a uh, several seasons when we had little, little children. Um, and we still go through these from time to time, but there's a couple of them I can think of where like, I feel like none of our kids really slept ever. And uh, some of you are going through that right now and you just kind of lose your mind in that. And, uh, and, and there, was other, there was another season where Boone was going through these things where he would, he would say these really violent things to us and as like a three-year-old and it just tore our hearts out. You know, We're thinking this kid is gonna get kicked out of school on the first day he goes to kindergarten kindergarten, you know, and, and he would say these things. And, and, and so whatever the situation was, I developed this kind of response in the middle of this like pain that we were sitting in or whatever, or struggle, I would say, it's only a phase, you know, 
It's only a phase. Anybody ever said that with kids? And, and you're telling yourself that in, in the sense of like, it can't last forever, you know? Like there's, and that's, that's basically me trying to grab onto this idea that like there's this universal law or something that like it can't always be like this. Uh, and so we've got to get to a different stage. But even that, it's too small, too small. I wonder if we had kind of some moments of self-examination this morning. And, and if you really checked all the Sunday school answers at the door, right? Uh, and I asked you, um, what is it that you find yourself hoping for? in your life. And, and I hope that somewhere down here, uh, you know, you've got a, a, a hope that is grounded in, in Jesus, and we'll talk some more about that, but, but practically speaking, what is it that you're hoping for? My sense is that a lot of us are grabbing on on some level to some hopes that are smaller, that are a little bit insufficient. Maybe you're hoping, like I asked Boone this morning, what are you hoping for, Boone? And he said, more money, uh, right? <laughs> On the, way to, on the way to church. And then he said, so dad, if I hope for it, will I get it? Uh, you know, and then, and then he's like, how can I get it? And then oh, like we were gone, right? So, uh, so maybe it is that. Maybe it's more money. Maybe if you had all, more money, you think all my problems would be solved or a different job. Or maybe you hope for uh, a reconciliation in a relationship or a move or there's something else that you're looking forward to, maybe some time off. Or maybe you're hoping for some kids or maybe if you have kids, you're hoping for the kids to leave. Uh, or maybe, 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 listen, this is a legitimate, maybe you're hoping for your kids to turn out all right. We grab onto these things, don't we? We hope for these things. Sometimes we, we place our trust in these things. Maybe you're a political person and you're hoping uh, that there will be some UN resolution for the problem in Syria or that the president will cancel his Twitter account or that, you know, we'll find a problem, a, 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 a solution to gun violence or, or any of these kinds of things or that, that there will be a new Supreme Court justice. Like some of our hearts get tied up with those kinds of hopes. And listen, it's not that all of these hopes are wrong or bad. It's just that they're too small to get us all the way through because these hopes come from within the broken world. These are hopes that ultimately come from within the place that is passing away, the age that is passing away. Every time we put our hope in something, even if it's another scenario than what we're experiencing right now, something beyond, it's still too small. It can get us to that place, but trouble still comes. We live in a world that's full of trouble and all of these hopes, if it comes from within the world, it's too small, it can't sustain, it's insufficient to get us all the way through. It's kind of like the way that Paul said in, uh, in Romans chapter eight, so a few ver chapters after what we read about hope in Romans five, Paul gets to Romans chapter eight, and uh, hold on Sarah, I'm gonna set this verse up real quick. He says that all of creation, so the created order, those the, the creation that a lot of times we're hoping in, all of creation itself is groaning right along with us for the resurrection, for the redemption of our bodies, the broken creation recognizes that it needs something outside of itself to deliver it. Creation itself 
groans right along with us and recognizes that that it needs a God who will come from outside of creation, outside of time itself, who exists beyond and around and over above and below to be able to to redeem and restore and renew and resurrect uh, life in this world. And then that leads into, Sarah, this next verse, Romans chapter eight, verse 24, Paul says, who hopes for what he already has? This is kind of hypothetical, like that would be kind of crazy, right? If we hoped for something that we already had or that existed already in creation. For hope that is seen is no hope at all. Hope that is seen is no hope at all. It's not enough to hope for something in this created order. Um, Reminds me of this time that Jesus said, we, we saw the verse on the screen a little bit ago in John chapter 16 where Jesus said, listen, Jesus maybe was a realist, right? In this world, you will have trouble. There are going to be worst case scenarios in this world. Um, in this world, you will, have, you will have trouble, but take heart, he says. I have overcome the world. And that's, I put, that's my fault. That's John 16, 33 right there. In this world, you would have tr- we will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And Jesus doesn't say this kind of thing flippantly. This wasn't just kind of a, an off-the-cuff kind of thing. Jesus is speaking this word about overcoming the world before he goes to his death on a cross. Jesus can speak this sentence because he goes to the deepest, darkest, worst case scenario in all of human history, in all of creation. Jesus goes all the way to the bottom. He gives his life, he is crucified on an instrument of torture and death that was the worst the world has ever created. The Romans were experts at creating the worst case scenario, the worst possible way that a life could end. Jesus went to that place, guys. He went to the worst place. There's no other worst case scenario. He gave up his life. He breathed his last. He was laid in a tomb, dead and buried. This was the end. It was over at that point. But then by a miracle of the Holy Spirit, it wasn't over anymore. And he was alive. And he had out of this tomb this indestructible kind of life. And he asks us to take heart because he's overcome the world and the same outcome awaits those who place their faith and their trust in him. The world, listen, can't throw anything at you that Jesus has not already made a way through. Somebody say amen to that. The world can't throw anything at you that Jesus has not already made a way through. Nothing. The deepest, darkest trouble that you have, Jesus has already made a way through it. There is a hope that exists beyond it, outside of it, further on into eternity around it. I want to revisit that that Frederick Buechner quote that Ashley read at the beginning of the service. He says, for Christians, hope is ultimately hope in Christ. 
that he really is what for centuries we have been claiming he is, the hope that despite the fact that sin and death still rule the world, he somehow conquered them all. The hope that in him and through him, all of us stand a chance of somehow conquering them too. The hope that at some unforeseeable time and in some unimaginable way, he will return with healing in his wings. Beyond the fact that hope in Christ has a proper scope to it, it's sufficient, it's big enough, it is, it's expansive enough to get us through any kind of hope. One of the other things that I love about hope in Christ as a, as a realist uh, is that it's not a kind of hope that I have to muster up to get more of. It's not a kind of hope that if you just try harder, you get it, right? If it was one of those things, I'd kind of, it'd be a disaster. I mean, the wor- it would be the worst if I had to do that, right? Um, but it's not that kind of hope. The kind of hope that Paul is describing here that we read about in the scriptures is the kind of hope that is given to us. It's a gift to you. It's given to those who have hidden their lives in Christ and who have placed their faith and their trust in God, whose life God has has poured his life into by the Holy Spirit. This is a, a gift. This hope is a gift to you and it is poured into you. You don't have to wrestle it down. You don't have to try harder for it. You can be the worst possible pessimist and still be overflowing with this kind of hope. And maybe it might change your pessimism around just a little bit, you know. This, this can be a gift for you. This indestructible hope is a natural byproduct of a life that is full of the Holy Spirit. So, if you find yourself needing or wanting some more hope this morning, the prescription is don't go try and wrestle it down or try really hard to hope or try really hard not to be afraid. Get closer to God. Come closer to God Open your life up and invite him to pour his life, his spirit into you, to fill you with his spirit. And the byproduct of a life that is full of God is a life that is full of and overflowing with hope, right? This is how you get it. This is how you go for it. Come closer to God. My sense is that the world today needs a people, that knows how to hope in a groundedness like this, that knows how to hope in a hope that goes beyond the headlines of the news and whether or not you know any of these things shake out, a hope that stretches out beyond the created order that's grown and right alongside of us, that can stand in the face of persecution and hardship and trials and the world kind of unraveling at the seams and sometimes just the marginalization or any of the difficult things that we face sometimes and you can stare it in the face and say, this is not the end. I'm going to go on hoping anyway, even in the face of it, because God is faithful to fulfill his promises. And that's where my hope lies, right? Come on. The world needs a body of people that knows how to hope like that. We're so full of despair. We're so jaded. We're so disappointed in the fact that we've placed our hope in such smaller things all the time and they continue to disappoint us. The world needs a people whose hope is bigger than that, whose hope is a gift, whose hope is a a gift and a blessing of the spirit. The world needs you to grab onto the hope that is in Jesus and don't put your hope anywhere else. 
My hope is that we would be a part of those kinds of people who are learning to hope like that. Will you do that with me? Um, listen, this is a challenge for me, right? But I'm, I'm just going to trust that as I draw near to God that he'll, he'll pour this hope, continue to pour it into me, and we'll trust that God's faithful to keep his promises. I want to close with a, another verse from Romans towards the end of Paul's letter. He says this, May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope. Not by your own power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. (sighs) Sherilyn, will you come forward? We're going to close the service today in a way that we haven't um, done quite this way before. There's this old hymn, um, On Christ the Solid Rock. Anybody know that hymn? You get, so, okay, so good. So we've got a choir because I'm going to lead you in it. So I, I'm going to need you to join in real quick. And, and Sherilyn has this gift where she's been a church pianist like her whole life. Uh, so she knows how to lead us in, in one of these old hymns. Will you stand with me? We're going to sing all these verses and choruses. And the first line of this song says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. There are these words about hope in here, and I want this to be a testimony for us today, right? That when you sing, especially this first line, right out of the gate, you gotta sing it with your whole voice, right? You gotta get out there and and declare it. My hope, my hope, this week, today, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus. You ready? All right, here we go. 